Hey, listen, welcome to the Hey Listen Gamescast. This is episode 46. We are only four episodes away from episode 50, guys. How do you feel about that? 46 is four plus six. <laughs> I-, I love Nathan's <laughs> random dumb comments at the beginning of every show. I, I hope you guys appreciate that as well, uh, for those of you listening. But also with us here today, Rob Douglas, how's it going? Billion dollars, but the other franchises I think include multiple games, right? Yeah, you know, and you the think fact of that this happened. Call in, of Duty, Warcraft, yeah, Diablo, Diablo. Those games have had you know tons of yeah. installments. This is one game that has happened less than a year, which is the quickest it's ever happened uh, for any Blizzard um, franchise. Yeah, and it's crazy that it has done it in so little time without any like really big downloadable dlc that you have to kind of like expansions basically like warcraft has or like mm-hmm. destiny had and stuff like that it's all just based on game sales and microtransactions which i mean if you look at it overwatch hasn't really had like a ton of sale. like they've had sales to go down to like 40 bucks but it hasn't like it hasn't gone down kind of like a lot of other big triple a games do gone down to like 20 <laughs> rest in peace battleborn yeah <laughs> exactly it's in the f- i think i so, saw it for three dollars like a week ago oh gosh it's already reached like below five dollars which is crazy to me but, yeah uh, well there's probably no one who plays that game anymore right i mean after like the first month yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh bad. yeah it's crazy what do you think rob about overwatch making a billion already I think it's crazy that, I mean, it makes sense because it's a really popular franchise and people really are loving it, but, I mean, that's crazy that a standalone game just makes a billion within less than a year. Yeah. It just tells you how good it is. Yeah, and it shows you that the, the player base is increasing, you know, it's not not dying off, it's not stagnant, so do we know it, any, it's growing. Do you guys know off the top of your heads the number of player of different players they've had? Um, I think it's 30 million. It's 30 million? Mm-hmm. Okay, that sounds right. That's pretty impressive. You know what else is crazy? Is that Rocket League has had, like, what, 30 million? Yeah, it's around that number. It's been around the same number, which is obviously (laughs) very different, but I just jumped in my mind. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Anyways. (laughs) Feeling very random. Overwatch, Rocket League, both great games. Both deserve the success that's coming towards them. Um, And uh, we'll we'll keep you updated if we hear any additional news for Overwatch. I know there's a lot of rumors and um, supposed news of there being a big event in a week or two to celebrate the one-year anniversary of the game, maybe Doomfist finally coming out. Um, so we'll let you know if, if uh, we hear anything about that. But anyways, moving on, the Zel- Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild um, season pass caused a lot of controversy when it was first announced. It was announced before the game. <laughs> $20, two different packs. The first pack, they said, would you know have some smaller features and a trial and a hard mode. And the second pack later in the fall would have more story content. Well, we don't know what the New second dungeon, pack holds yeah. still, um, but we do know what the first pack holds. And essentially, it is bringing you new outfits based off of Zelda characters, um, which I think is great. I mean, there's already so many great outfits in Breath of the Wild, and I love collecting all the different ones from the Amiibos and just the ones in-game. Um, so I think that's cool, other than them adding in Tingle, because he's an abomination. Tingle um, is Dude, that was amazing. the best one. Tingle is one of the best side characters you will ever see in any video game franchise ever. And the fact that he wasn't in the base game of this is, frankly, an outrage. I'm going to start a petition to put Tingle in the game for free because, you know. But, no, I think the outfits is is awesome. There's so many, like you said already. And adding in kind of the classic ones, like it's the, the Zelda from Twilight Princess. Is that right? Or Wind Waker. Wind Waker with well, 
the Wind Waker and Twilight Princess outfits are already available with Amiibo. Okay. I think they're adding in um, Phantom armor. Oh, that's right, Phantom. Yeah, Phantom then they armor. put the, you can, they're putting in Majora's Mask, so you can wear the, the Majora's yeah. Mask, which is cool. Um, and so just, just some stuff like that, which is awesome. They're, they're cashing on the power of nostalgia, which we're going to be talking about later on in the show today. But um, So there's outfits, which is cool. Um, there is a hard mode, which pretty much just makes all the enemies stronger and makes them regenerate health, which I think is dumb that this is in a season pass. That should be in the game. Yeah, it should just be like a free update instead of being in a season pass. Yeah, so I, I think that's kind of lame. But um, How much is the season pass? Season pass is 20 bucks for both content for packs. For both, both so, pieces, and I don't think you can buy them separately. Yeah, you can't buy them separately, okay. but it's not right now. So you're basically paying 10 bucks per pack. Sure. Yeah. Mm, so if you, if you, I mean, if you're looking at like that, like a fifty-fifty split between season, you know, the two parts, then well, is would you even say this one's worth ten dollars? I I personally would not pay ten dollars for this one. Yeah, I would pay like maybe five bucks for it. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. 10. Yeah. But I mean, kind of when they announced the game, they made it sound like the first pack was kind of be kind of light on content and the second pack was going to be the one that people wouldn't really want to pay the 20 bucks for mm-hmm. like they promised new story content and a new dungeon yeah so. like there's just kind of a lot of little things in this one like i think there's in the hard mode there's going to be like enemies kind of flying through the sky which is just kind of a random thing that's cool i guess and then like octo balloons forever <laughs> yeah well then you're going to be able to place a waypoint on the map where you can instantly warp to it which mm-hmm. has been in past all the games so i don't understand why that's Locked behind a season pass. And then there is a really cool map feature which retroactively works. So as soon as you buy the season pass, you'll be able to see basically the last 200 hours of gameplay, like a little like paper trail of, wh- of where exactly you have been as Link throughout the entire world, which I think is awesome because it'll help you find places you haven't been to yet and, and you can follow along the path and, you know, kind of get an idea of everywhere you've been. So I think that's really cool as well. But, uh, you know that the main kind of i guess new gameplay out of this is there will be a trial of trial of the sword is the name of it I yeah and mm-hmm. you know they've done these before in the past all the games where there's some kind of type of end game challenge where you get a really powerful weapon or something um and basically you're going to fight through 50 waves and you basically have to use whatever i think armor and weapons you find during the trial so you start with no armor and no weapons yeah and so, so you you just kind of have to survive and make your way all the way through the end of it and if you do it'll like permanently make the master sword like increased in power so you do get it so what nice you're thing. saying is that this is zelda's version of horde mode uh, in a way, I guess. Um, I guess kind of <laughs> like horde mode i don't know i always think of horde mode as like multiplayer and playing with your friends and um, waiting for waves to come to you, and this year progressing through rooms, different different levels, different, of it. different levels, yeah. and it they showed a a screenshot of it, and it was linked like climbing up a ladder and stuff like that. So there might be a little bit of like oh okay, light so it's more of a platforming. Hopefully, involved. it's more like a progressive dungeon. Yeah, kind of. It's a combat dungeon. That, yeah, yeah, but probably not very like hard to get through as far as puzzles and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean. Okay. They, they're, they're always always kind of fun. They don't really get too difficult till the kind of the end, like the last five or so. I remember in Twilight Princess, it got really tough in the last two or three <laughs> rounds, but <laughs> well, it wasn't too bad before that. But I do like that you kind of start with nothing. Like there was a challenge in uh, Breath of the Wild that we talked about before on the show where you go to this island, you have to def- 
defeat this challenge and solve these puzzles with no equipment, which was, I thought, one of the, the coolest parts of the game. So I think that part will be cool. I'm still not going to get the season pass at this point. I'm going to hold out, and, you know, hopefully by the time the second one gets announced and that comes around, I'm ready to, you know, jump back in and explore some new stuff and finish cleaning up, you know, some of the shrines yeah. and stuff in that game. So Yeah, I, I haven't decided if I'm going to get it. I'm, I think I'll get it eventually. I think you will. But I haven't decided if I'm going to get it for the first might uh, skip pack out the first pack and just wait until the second pack and then jump in. Yeah, I'd, I'd almost still... wait to just get the second pack just to jump into all these. Like, obviously, these are going to be fun gameplays. Like, yeah. the the trial will be cool, but almost waiting for the second one so you get the whole package all together would be yeah seems yeah. better. And this to is going to come out in the summer. The other one's going to come out in the fall, and during the summer, we'll hopefully be busy playing Splatoon <clears> two, <throat> but not. As much fun as we were hoping for, right, Jeff? Yeah. I, I mean, in the original Splatoon, which, you know, is a game I adore. I love what Nintendo did with that game. It's one of the best games of, you know, the, the Wii U. Um, having this two-map rotation, which got so much criticism and so much, you know, negative attention... And for them to say, oh, yeah, we're really excited about the two-map rotation in Splatoon 2. We believe it's really, really good. And, like, everyone else is kind of just like, wait, what? Like, we didn't like that. I, you did not hear us clearly. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, yeah, we heard you. We're going to put it down to two hours instead of four. Um, which <laughs> a majority of players, when they are gaming, typically don't play more than a two-hour session. Maybe around an hour. Sure. Um, you know, Especially, like, uh, unless you're really crazy, like, especially a multiplayer game like Splatoon, you kind of want to yeah. jump in for, like, half an hour, an hour, or something like that. Exactly. And like jump that. out to something else. Yeah, and so... Essentially, with this two-hour rotation, most of the time you play, it's still going to be those same two maps whenever you play You know, during the day. Did they confirm like it was going to be a two-map rotation? I heard some people saying, hoping they might do three. Do you think um, be? It'll probably be two because I don't know. they I didn't think, change that. I think but. it was two. I, I, I could be wrong. We, someone can fact-check us on that. I'm pretty sure they said two-map rotation every two hours. <laughs> and I would be okay if this was maybe in let's say the competitive mode where you're like okay i want to specifically you know compose my team and my loadout based mm-hmm. on one of these two levels okay that might make sense but for just regular quick play i don't see why they can't put in the system that was already in mario kart where you know there's four suggested levels everyone votes and it either picks one of those ones randomly or whatever one has the most votes just some other type of system where it lets people yeah. choose and vote on it rather than being locked in the same two and I always thought it was because the original Splatoon didn't launch with enough maps because, you know, they launched sure. with a few. Yeah, they like added they more later. Like six maps made sense. Made it feel like there was more maps, yeah. you know, because uh, you'd have to wait for the rotation to go around. But I don't know. Maybe Splatoon 2 is also not going to launch with a lot of maps. I don't know. I could totally see that happening, especially with it coming out in the summer and kind of being a little bit early on in the Switch life. And I think they'll probably do a similar thing where they update it again yeah. a lot. But Yeah, and from... What I read, it seemed like they were launching it with just a couple, and they were really excited about the possibility of adding more maps as it goes. So I think that's even something that they, uh, developers, have confirmed. Sure. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I haven't heard of the developers, but the actually the thing that actually kind of made me a little bit more sad about that is this: is Nintendo defended kind of the two map rotation by saying, "Oh, well, you know, you need um, it's nice to have those two maps because." Each map kind of requires like a different weapon set to really play to the best advantage. Like, for example, from the first one, Moray Towers was a really good map for kind of sniping and stuff like that. It wasn't as good of a map mm-hmm. for maybe like rollers and yeah, sure. stuff like that. So 
what that says to me is that you're still not going to be able to change your loadout in between games on the fly. You're no. just going to have to <laughs> get back out of the game completely to and, change. And we were we were even joking about this the other night. We were, we were playing Mario Kart with some Halos and friends, and I, I don't remember Steven was saying, there's no way that they're going to let us change our loadout since Splatoon 2. Like, even though if everyone wants it, like, that's just something I think that's not going to happen. You know, it's sad, sad to say, but that's probably going to be the, the case. I don't understand why we mm-hmm. would be able to change our loadouts and stuff without backing out of the entire matchmaking but you know uh, hopefully nintendo nintendo surprises us and proves us wrong but you know at this point we don't know a lot about splatoon 2 other than the new salmon run modes it's it's not an encouraging start i guess for kind of the changes especially that we a lot of people had and complaints a lot of people had about the uh, online modes of the first yeah and i think we're still waiting to hear more about the online details and how the app will work so hopefully you know those things we're kind of worried about it but you know there's always a chance nintendo could Make some make something cool happen, but until then, you know, we're gonna remain pretty skeptic, I think. Yes. Yeah. Uh, regardless, still gonna buy the game. I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun, but it will still have some annoying quirks to it. So anyways, our last news piece of the week we wanna talk about is NBA two K eighteen announced that the one, the only Shaquille O'Neal is going to be on the cover of the new two K game. I know both of you guys play two K a lot, so you think this is oh, awesome? Yeah. You think this is good? Uh the commercial they did to announce this was hilarious because it was a uh, Kobe and Shaq kind of riffing back and forth at each other, which was great. Which is great. Yeah, it was really really funny. Well, um, especially since Kobe was featured on the uh, the special edition or the limited edition or legendary edition last year. So this is two Lakers so, in a row. Yeah, exactly. They're two Lakers to in a row. Just keep buying the game over and over <laughs> again. Because LA is probably the biggest market for video games. Yeah, the Lakers are <laughs> well, still like the biggest, one of the biggest franchises in the world, despite the fact that they've been horrible the last five years. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was gonna say like the Lakers have been pretty horrible lately. We're not a sports radio podcast here, so we're not gonna get too much into the details <laughs> on that one. It's too painful. But maybe this is their form of redemption. Just so like, hey, look, the Lakers were relevant once. <laughs> so, Rob, I didn't. I know you got the limited edition last year. Does it have anything to do besides Shaq just being on the cover? Like, um, there's um, no like story mode or anything like that. Like, I remember you got, you got 2K some extra stuff. Eleven, I think it was with Michael Jordan. They put in this whole kind of cool story mode where you could kind of play through yeah. Michael's career, and it was a really neat part of the game. Um, there's nothing like that. At least in the last one, right? I, I was kind of hoping they would have something like that, but as far as I can tell, they have not. Um, okay. They added, like, you got a couple of uh, outfit options from Kobe. Uh, you got a few extra trading cards, and so you got a... Stuff. You got a poster, and, um, like, the covers for your PS4 controller with one of them, like, the printed, signed, you know? Oh, okay, nice. Right. So, I mean, that was kind of cool to have the poster and the the covers for my PS4 controller, but I just haven't, I never put stuff on my PS4 controllers. I actually don't put anything on any of my controllers just because I feel like it's kind of tacky and gets in the way. But yeah, they yeah. can sometimes I mean, ruin the controller too, like the finish. Yeah, so the, the, the poster was cool. Um, but other than that, I don't think I would ever do it again because it was kind of, it was an extra, what, I, I think bucks. I paid an extra twenty bucks yeah, and nice. didn't really get anything yeah. out of it. Well, this I got a lot. It's even more expensive. I think I think one eight, edition was 90? eighty, and another one they had another one that was like a hundred. Yeah. I know. Or I know. Like there's that. three different yeah. versions, but something I did want to point out um, is that all versions are launching on the same day, including on Nintendo Switch, and Nintendo Switch is even getting all the special editions. So yeah, I think that shows. Yeah. 
at least some faith and at least some effort put forth by 2K or whoever I'm, the developers of this game. I'm to, really hoping to put it that out this means that they're kind of working, especially on the Switch version, not just like porting kind of because they're still making the last gen versions for PS3 and 360 of yeah. these games, and they're not just yeah. doing a straight port of those and kind of. At least if they are like kind of optimizing it and um, making it I feel like really it, good for the yeah. Switch. Because I, I would like love, all those like, worst ones. I haven't bought a 2K game. I didn't buy last year's. And I would love to have a game on my Switch where I can take it anywhere and play. I'm not going to oh, yeah. go play it while I play Pickup. But, you know, it'd be great to <laughs> Like the original announcement video. Yeah, of exactly. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. it would be a cool feature to have with the Switch. Because, like, you, you never sit down, or at least I don't. I don't sit down and play games for hours and hours on end necessarily. I might play a game here or there, but the idea of having it on the switch, like you're just kind of hanging out. So you're like, Oh, I'll just throw down a quick game here. Yeah, sure. Just to be able or just be, to even be able to be like, Oh, Hey, let's play a quick round of yeah. uh, street ball or just uh, blacktop at mode or something. Or just like play, that. you know, a half in your career mode. Then you have to go to somewhere. And so you just pop it out of the dock. You play it on the bus or something like that. Yeah. Like you can yeah, finish yeah. it there. I think that'd be cool. But the, the main thing I just want to say, you know, the Wii U, we got, we got, I got, I think, 2K and a couple other, you know, ports of, you know, some, you know, th- big third-party games early on. But they were usually delayed. Like, they came out way after the other versions, and they weren't really, you know, made, the only, made as the well. The only 2K game that well, a game, so. what really encouraged me is uh, with the Wii U, the 2K game that came out, the year the Wii U came out, came out, I think, at Wii U launch. So, but it came out like you know two months after the game launched everywhere else, so no one bought it. So the people who had it this time, Nintendo was like, "We're not going to get 2K17. We're going to wait until 2K18. Get that same day." So, hopefully, I that think it's a smart choice. Smart version. choice. Yeah, and people want to pick it up. Yep. So, uh, well, you know, Here's um, if if there's any other big third party games that get announced for the switch but uh so far it's looking you know with the sales and everything i think they're going to get a lot more support uh, but uh ho- hopefully i mean if you want these third-party games you you're going out and you're buy- buying them and you know showing showing them that you'll support third-party games i know i i did with download games i'm not really with retail with the wii u i was looking through my collection the other day i think i had like <laughs> maybe three or four games that weren't published by Nintendo for Wii U. I, I so. bought a bunch of retail games kind of the, the year after the Wii U that were made by third-party publishers, but I also bought them kind of after they didn't sell very well right when they launched and then dropped in price to like 10 or 15 bucks. Yeah. And I was like, oh, <laughs> at that point, it matter. Yeah, at that point, it doesn't really help out. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that's the same with me. I think I got the two Assassin's Creed and that garbage Sonic game for like eight bucks. <laughs> but anyways, we're going to move on our, our main segment of today's show. Uh, questions with Rob. Um, so Rob, go ahead. I'll let you take it from here. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit about nostalgia or nostalgia. <laughs> nostalgia. <laughs> nostalgia. 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 Mostly because, I mean, this is a huge thing when it comes to games and us as people so uh let's get a little scientific to start off with what do you guys think nostalgia is um nostalgia is fondly remembering things from a past time that you enjoyed and brought you happiness okay i I can't beat that definition what the heck where'd you get that that's like literally right out the dictionary practically did you look (laughs) this up (laughs) no i did not actually that's just straight from my brain i'm just that wise (laughs) that's exactly it It's, it's your fond memories of you know something that that you played or you know did when you were younger as a kid and you can you remember you know just look back at it fondly and you know sometimes nostalgia doesn't quite 
live up to exactly how we remember it because yeah. when you play a game as a kid, you think it's the best game ever. Then you might play it as an adult and go, wow, this game was terrible. I was just a kid <laughs> that yeah. who played, was playing a terrible game. But, you know, the memories are, are sweet most of the time. You know, in our society, I, I was kind of reading some articles about this game ready for this and just kind of thinking about nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And I was reading it, and, like, our society is driven by nostalgia. I mean, this is kind of a huge thing. Like, think about it. Uh, X-Files just came back and left really quickly but like we reboot we reboot <laughs> tv shows all the time we have reunions of tv shows we have collector's editions like they really release movies like every disney like opens up their vault and re-releases movies like every 10 years or something Full like house that just came back for a season Full house just came back that. for a <laughs> season um or two um we love sequels um we may not say that but how many sequels of fast and furious are there now there's like eight of them nine of them uh, well, even look, look at the top 10 highest grossing movies of all time. I think almost all of them, except for Avatar and Titanic, are sequels like sure. to, to a previous yeah. movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, and, like, even, like, with some of the newer movies that we're seeing nowadays, like the live-action versions of all the Disney movies, re- there literally is yeah. 17 <laughs> live-action Disney movies coming out in the next, like, six years. That is awful. Don't talk like, to me about too that. Too much nostalgia. Too much. Like, yeah. Literally, we're going back to all of our childhood, as well as, like, even the new Star Wars movie series are basing it off of the nostalgia of the kids who watched Star Wars when they mm-hmm. were kids. Yeah. You know, or when we first saw, like, we were kids around episode, uh, or middle school age, about episode one, two, and three. But, you yeah, know, like, they're like, just playing off of that what? nostalgia, like, like that. I'm pretty sure every Star Wars trailer will ever come out from now on is going to have that same like Skywalker theme. Just yeah, <laughs> so it hits exactly. everyone in the nostalgia and they'll go see the movie. Every time you hear that, you just at least I get chills. Like yeah. it doesn't matter how many right? times I've heard it. So yeah, no, that's a good point, Rob. I didn't think about that. And honestly, you know, you think about nostalgia. Nostalgia is based off of our memories of something. Because, like you said, Jeff, you said we remember, I mean, like, what are some of the games that you guys remember? Like, Nostalgia, you look back, like, as a child, like, these were some of the games I remember. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like, I grew up on the, playing the 64, so it's all of those games, like Super Mario 64, Mario Kart 64, Mario Party 1 and 2, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, um, Super Smash Brothers. All of those games are kind of the games that I grew up playing and having a lot of fun with friends and um, I had a Nintendo system and Nintendo makes really good games so they've mostly held up really well but I have examples of ones that haven't as well like Pokemon Stadium is I love that game I still yeah. like it but it's not a good game <laughs> so I mean it was, it was just mind blowing at the time because you finally saw Pokemon in yeah. 3D with like oh, all, the so different, great. All, the, yeah, all the different stuff there so um, yeah I think for me when I think of nostalgia I think about like before before really we got the 64 because we didn't get that to a few years after it had already been out we i was playing mostly nes and super nintendo because my dad had you know a lot of games from those from when he was in college and stuff and so most of the games weren't that great like he loved sports and so he just bought like every sports game pretty much for the nes and uh and so pretty much sports games and mario were like the only games i played on early nintendos <laughs> and yeah that's what made me into like such you know a big fan of the mario franchise and why i'm so stoked for every single time a new mario game comes out is because i grew up pretty much playing all those mario games just over and over again with my brothers yeah finding every secret playing with my cousins going to my friend's house learning all the different secrets where the the hidden toad houses were in mario Bros. 3 and the flutes and um so 
Yeah, that, I mean, that's what I think of when I think of nostalgia is those old like Mario games, pretty much. Yeah, I think of a lot of the 64 games. Like you said, Nathan, I also grew up on the 64, so those were kind of my games, like Banjo-Kazooie, Mario 64, Mario Kart, Super Smash Bros. Like, all those type of games, as well as, like, uh, I remember playing, like, Roller Coaster Tycoons, the original Sims, Age of Empires 2. Like, all those instill this, like... Rob, you're still playing Age of Empires 2. Yes. Okay, um... I will be playing Age of Empires (laughs) 2 forever, partially because of nostalgia. Um, (laughs) But, like, we love these, and... I, I saw this great quote, and I'm going to read it to you guys. This guy's name is uh, Clay Routledge. Okay. He is a uh, psychology or psychology professor at the North Dakota State University, and he said this, Video games lend themselves to the feeling of nostalgia more than any other medium because of immersion factors. Games have the potential more to be more immediate and personal than other forms of entertainment. Players aren't remembering the time they watched a hero defeat a bad guy, as in a movie. They're remembering the time they beat the bad guy. Yeah, that's that's totally true. Like I said, one of my greatest video game memories is beating Mario 64 at my brother's birthday party when I was like, I don't know, like six or seven or something like that. And uh, just what a what a great memory it was and i just remembered all of our little friends you know all watching it and so i i wasn't like oh remember that time mario be i'm like i beat bowser in front of a huge crowd of an audience of cheering kids like it was awesome so yeah i totally agree with that what do you think think, nathan i think we um i don't even know if we necessarily like like we remember the game obviously but it for me like it reminds us of a time um depending in life like when maybe life was simpler or not as difficult for you and stuff like that, like you're yeah. good and you have people you know, cruel taking adult care of you. World anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or um, maybe if you had a rough childhood going up, growing up, maybe you're reminded of the escapism that video games brought to you because mm-hmm. you wanted to get out of the real world. And so maybe that's where your nostalgia goes. But mm-hmm. it, I think it has a lot to do with kind of where you were at the time when you were playing those games and what was happening. And maybe it even it's even affected by you know what's happening to you kind of in present day and why you why you remember fondly those games and the times that came with them. Yeah. And I, I totally agree. Like versus like a movie or TV show or something like that, we might have nostalgia for it, but you know, rewatching a movie, you know, pretty much everything is going to happen. It's pretty similar to how you experience it the first time, as well as it doesn't carry that same immersion factor. Like you're just watching the things unfold yeah. versus like, you know, like you said, beating that Mario boss or like, you know, finally beating a campaign or one of the series or something like on a video game, you know, like Age of Empires 2, like I remember beating some of the campaigns, like finally understanding, like the, seeing the whole picture of the history and being like, dude, this is awesome. My eight-year-old self is like <laughs> freaking out because I just won, you know, like th- these are the things that we remember because not because we remember the games themselves necessarily, but the memories associated with them, I think is more important. Yeah, that, that's totally, I have so many games where just, I have specific memories of nostalgia of playing them with a friend. Um, and you know, like one comes to mind where I played Mario party three with my, my friend Ryan and uh, he was disabled. So he couldn't really do a lot other than, you know, play video games. So I would go over there and we'd sit in his room and play video games for hours. And one day we played Mario party three. That was the only game we played for like five hours straight. And we played like one game where you had to like jump over one of the hands on this clock. It was like a one V one dual mini game. And we sat there and played it for like 
an entire day just to see how high of a score we got. So like with video games, you can play them any way you want. Like you can play campaigns and that can be memorable. You can do mess around, do some fun multiplayer or co-op stuff with a friend. Um, And so I think, you know, that's why it's so immersive. You can play the games however you want. And, you know, if you really into getting high scores or beating a level on a certain difficulty or, you know, whatever it is, um, you're choosing how you do it, which is awesome. So now, I want. I kind of want to take a little bit of a dark side approach to nostalgia because we have, like, for now we've been talking about the dark side of nostalgia. We've been talking about kind of the good things about nostalgia because it is great to go back and like remember these things. You know, even going back and playing some of those games while they may not live up to our expectations, because you know you go back and play some of the original, uh, like Final Fantasies or Mario's or something like that, and you kind of go, "Wow, this hasn't aged very well." Or like the original Resident Evil. Original Mario has aged well. Don't don't blaspheme. The original Final Fantasy has not. Donkey Kong sixty four. We all know that hasn't aged. As well as it's true. Sure. Or like, yeah, uh, like agree. a better example would be like the first Resident Evil. It's been remastered a couple of times, and I went back and was watching some footage of the first one, like playing a little bit and stuff. And I was just like, dude, this is so old. Like the <laughs> stiff 3D models and everything. So we may not remember them exactly how they were. We just remember the mo- the memories yeah, and stuff. Well, but I'm gonna bring up two kind of points here, and okay. I want to kind of talk a little bit about it. First off, um, we're adults. Yeah. Um, well, we may not act like it. We are. <laughs> and, you know, we, we're like, we, we have busy lives. We're all married. Um, I have a kid. Jeff has a kid on the way. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of like, we're, we have a lot of responsibilities. We have full-time jobs and all this stuff. And I saw the statistic in the same article I was reading. It said 90% of people who start a video game never finish it. Hmm. Meaning, I'm sorry, I'm Nathan's part of that 90%. Percent. <laughs> like, so, I mean, like, Nathan, you're not the only one with a backlog. And yeah, I mean, it's it's true. We we only have so much time to put towards games, especially, you know, once you're adult and, you know, you're starting a family and stuff like that. Like, for me right now, I'm trying to, like, finish some games and stuff, like, you know, because I know as soon as, you know, our baby is born, I'm going to have a lot less free time, so I'm trying to enjoy it while I can. But you know, it, it's true. We, you, you have to kind of prioritize, which, you know, is why some people are really into big open world games. They're like, perfect. I can just have that be my one game for this year and just spend, you know, a hundred hours playing Fallout hours, yeah. or whatever it is. And then that's, at the same time, other people are like, well, I'm going to skip on Fallout because there's so many games that are coming out. I don't have enough time to put in a hundred hours to that. Mm-hmm. I want to play some other games too. And so, you know, you have to kind of pick and choose and I think it's great nowadays that we have so many indie games and smaller games coming out too that don't take, you know, more than five hours to be where you can have those smaller experiences, which you don't have to put too yeah. much time to. But yeah, that's a good point, Rob. Because then, you know, a lot of us, we kind of, we like safe. We like the, the thought that, you know, I don't have as much time. And so I'm going to go back to what I know. Right? I mean, it's why mm-hmm. we watch, you know, a lot of people so rewatch TV shows. <laughs> it's why a lot of people rewatch movies, you know, rather than starting some new movie or a new TV show. Sometimes we just go back and, like, well, I'm going to rewatch this show for the fourth time. Um, and so the question I have regarding this part of the dark side of nostalgia <laughs> is yes. does that hurt the game industry when gamers can't finish games and they're continuously returning to the games of their past i well i 
I don't know that gamers continuously return to games of the past. Like, I mean, obviously there are people who do and, and people go back, but a lot of people have a backlog and it keeps growing because besides having that backlog, they continue to buy new games. And so I mean, in your some backlog factor, can't grow if you don't your buy backlog, new games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Your backlog grows because you keep buying new games and don't finish your other games. And so, I mean, the people who are buying those games, and I'm definitely guilty of this, you miss miss out on experiences and miss out on, you know, parts of the game. But I think for some games especially, you don't have to, to necessarily see the game to the end, get every collectible, mm-hmm. and do everything in a game to say that you're done with that game. Like, you don't have to do every yeah. single thing to say you're done with that game. Um, I think that... And I think that's totally okay. It's okay to be okay with that as long as you're okay with, you know, the money you're spending on it, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Like, for mm-hmm. me, um, I felt that way about uh, Shadow Over Mordor. I never officially completed the story. I, I want to say I got around 80% in the game. I had found all the collectibles in the first area. I got, I want to say, at least 70% of, like, the trophies and stuff. And I felt, you know, like I had done everything and accomplished everything I had wanted to. I was just kind of this weird roadblock where I didn't really feel like finishing the game. And so I, you know, put it away. And I'm happy with that. I probably won't go back to it and finish it. We'll see mm-hmm. maybe if I get inspired when the new one comes out. But, um, <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I'm fine with that. And so, you know, it just really depends on what type of a gamer you are and, if you're really interested in a narrative or not, like if I'm not super interested into a narrative, I'm not going to finish that game probably. So unless you really like the the gameplay or the gameplay. Yeah, exactly. And even then, like with horizon, I'm struggling to finish the main story of the game because I find the combat and the gameplay so fun. So I'm just going to wander around and hunt things just for the kicks and giggles of it, rather than (laughs) go over to the opposite side of the map and finish, you know, my objective of discovering what happened, you know? So it just kind of depends, you know, what, what you want out of your games but um as far as does it hurt the video game industry i'm gonna say no because um you know we're, we're in a period right now where there's so many different video games so many games being made that are you know such mm-hmm. high quality of different different varieties and like nathan said people are buying new games whether or not they're finishing them so it doesn't really matter yeah. if there's that nostalgia and like oh i'm gonna go and i'm gonna buy the the same call of duty that i've always played or i'm gonna go buy mario or you know, whatever it is um, that, you know, I, if people buy the Crash Bandicoot trilogy mm-hmm. when it comes out in June, I don't think that's taken away from sales from Horizon or any other PS4 exclusive. I think that is something extra that people are going to pick up regardless of, you know, what else is out there. So Yeah, I mean, I guess okay. kind, kind of going away from a little bit from the earlier question, but going into kind of what's getting made. I mean, um, we have seen a lot of remakes and remasters of either old games or games that maybe were even out on the last generation that have come to yeah. on the PS4 and Xbox Sony loves one. this. Yeah, exactly. And that's so that's they... actually where I'm going to go here for this next dark side here. Okay, go ahead, Rob. Sorry. Jumping ahead So, like, no, you're great. This is perfect transition because here's the thing. Uh, our industry, you start looking around at some of our video game industry and you start to realize that, yeah, we have some great new games that have come out this year. But I want to point out a couple of things. First off, what is one of the biggest games that came out this year? Zelda. What is Zelda? It is like the 24th Zelda game or something like that. Not NES Classic came out. Well, maybe <laughs> they, if you yeah. count all the Game Boy games. They usually make like, one, yeah. sometimes two per console. But there yeah. are spin-offs. So too. you have like the NES Classic that just came out, which is literally all about nostalgia. Uh, we have re-releases, remasters. Like right now, the biggest Final Fantasy properties are Final Fantasy... Um, 
she like I can't remember the name, but no it's idea. a remake of twelve. <laughs> Isn't oh, no, it's new. It's really 15, 12 is coming out. But 15 summer, was though. like the first new one in like seven or eight years. Yeah, like they oh, kept like re- 10 years remaking yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and the other one they're remaking is Final Fantasy VII. And all the um, Kingdom Hearts games. Lots of collector's remade. editions. And then sequels. Let's talk a little bit about sequels. I just have a I just have some odd some funny statistics for you guys that you guys will Uh-oh. really find entertaining. Okay. There have been uh, and I'm including mobile games for the most part in this. Okay. So, there are 13 Halo games. Wow. There are 25 Call of Duties, not including the new one coming out this year. And there are 95 official Final Fantasy games, not including like the Crystal Soul or the Crystal <laughs> One, Kingdom <laughs> uh, of Hearts, and with two on the way sometime either this year or next year. Yeah, I think... Here's here's another one really quickly, Nathan. Uh, Splatoon was the first Nintendo-backed new property in 14 years. Overwatch uh, was the first non-StarCraft, WarCraft, or Diablo game that Blizzard put out since 1997. Wow. Literally... All of the major players in the industry of video games are basing it off of what sold before. Let's play off of that. It's almost a nostalgia, like the new Star Wars movies. Sequels are what sell because of nostalgia. Yeah. Well, well and I to kind of make a devil's argument here. Go for I it. Think I think sequels it. can be good because a lot of times you see, really, especially between the first game and the second game, you see these really big leaps where the first game... Kind of had a cool idea, maybe, but it didn't execute everything really well. And the second game does a really good job of it. Like examples yeah. are like Assassin's Creed One to Assassin's Creed Two. More recently, Watch Dogs One to Watch Dogs Two. Um, yeah, and things like that where developers kind of get parts of the thing right, but they're able to really refine and um, cut away some of the cut fat. away some of the fat exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. In the second installment and. Knack 1 to Knack 2, hopefully. Oh, man. Knack 2 is just... Yeah. Can't wait. <laughs> no, actually, I was actually reading a little bit about Knack 2. I think they did some preview event. And apparently there's a bunch of in-game jokes about the original Knack in Knack 2. Which, awesome. which I think is great that <laughs> they're embracing great. that Knack 1 wasn't very highly esteemed. Yeah, they're like trolling themselves. This is yeah, great. exactly. But, um, I mean, here's kind of my thought with this whole kind of all these stats is companies ride nostalgia and is that hurting the future of games i i don't think so because people want uh want these want these franchises like i i you can call me you know whatever you want but i know regardless of what they're gonna what it's going to be what what new features they add i'm going to buy the new super smash bros game i'm going to buy the new Mario Bros. platforming game. Mm-hmm. I'm going to buy the next Destiny game. Like, There's just a couple of franchises that I have nostalgia for or just I've really enjoyed um, that pretty much no matter what they are, I'm yeah. going to go out and buy it, and there's millions of people who feel the same way. And for the most part, I feel pretty rewarded. Like Every time they put a new Smash Bros. out, I'm like, they can't possibly top this. And then you know, they, do. And then yeah. they, they keep, keep making really, really great games. And so, um, and I, I think we are seeing a little bit of different differentiation. Like, Call of Duty even, you know, they tried doing more of the space and sci-fi stuff, and now they're going kind of back to what, what their roots back were. Back to the so roots, they, yeah. They did try some different stuff, and, you know, for the most part, 
most of the main 3D Mario games all kind of try something different. Yeah. And, you know, mm-hmm. you, you see a screenshot of Mario 64, Sunshine, Galaxy, 3D World, and Mario Odyssey. You can tell that they're different games. Like, they, yeah. look, they look different. And so um, I, think, I think for the most part, it, it is okay. It's just, you know, as back, back in the last generation, there were so many games that fell into that, started to be in that annual, you know, franchise. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's when things kind of got in trouble. But, you know, if, if I think developers take their time and they really, really think out how they can improve the next one, they're not just doing it to, you know, make a quick, quick dollar. I think nostalgia yeah. is fine because it can make people, give people a continual enjoyment over the same nostalgia over and over again, which is Well, great. and I think it's important to take kind of the video game cycle into account when you think about this. Mm-hmm. And the fact that usually every, anywhere between four and five to seven or eight years, we get kind of a new, talking about consoles, a new console generation. And when the new console generation starts, that's kind of when developers are like, okay, we're going to make a new IP, we're going to come up with a new story, new characters, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And they make that, and then you start to get new things. And then the last generation, which was like, what, seven years? Like the Xbox 360 came out in mm-hmm. 2005, and then the Xbox One came out in 2013. So that's eight years. It was so long, and so we kept seeing so many sequels because it because it was longer than the previous generations. Yeah, yeah that's true. And so now that you know we have Xbox One and PS4, we got a bunch of remasters um, at first, and now we're starting to see... New IPs and new um, games, like yeah. for example, Horizon Zero Dawn and um, Bloodborne and stuff like that. That yeah, um, and goes on to spawn new series. And Matt in the comments, he you know he made a good point that yeah, he thinks that ports remasters that. are good because when they sell them, they're bringing them to a new audience who haven't got to play these great games, and then those go to the market and they can fund the development of new games. So rather than having mm-hmm. to pump out, you know a new uncharted or mario kart or whatever every two or three years they could focus on making one really good one in a long over a longer uh span of time and put that remaster out with not as much effort and still you know make enough money to sustain them to not rushing another game to to yeah exactly a lot of times i'm glad we're doing that instead of the annual and that's why we have so many sequels is because those games sell better than the new IPs and stuff like that. And like Matt said, yeah. a lot of times they have the money to make that new IP or new game, not because it's going to sell so many, but because of the remasters and re-releases that they do. Um, that yeah. kind of just, they it, they make a lot more money because they don't have to spend as much development resources on it and stuff like that. So they make more on the final game than they would with a new IP. Yeah. I think kind of wrap it up so we can, don't go too far over here. I think, you know, with the the uh, the rise of indie game developers, mm-hmm. we still have a lot of fresh ideas that are going out there and being done in ways that we can enjoy them for a relatively cheap price, and I think that's really good for the industry. And like you guys said, we've seen a lot of new IPs in the last few years because of the new console generation. I like that you made that point, Nathan. I think that's a really good, important point to make. But I think... Like, kind of going with what Matt said in the comments, nostalgia sells. And like we said earlier, you know, the guy Clay said that nostalgia is probably the best ever in video games because it is something that is, we're involved in it. It's something that it's more personal, we're more intimate with it because it's us doing it. And so I think nostalgia is a great thing for the industry. And I think that 
like you guys said, I was kind of being a little devil's advocate, but I think that the remasters and re-releases and even like sequels and all that stuff, I think is good. And they re like the fact that like Battlefield and Call of Duty are reinventing themselves and Assassin's Creed took a year off to kind of reinvent themselves. I think they're realizing that the yearly sequels aren't the best and that they need to rethink these things and really make it for the fans. So yeah, and they're being pushed by. You made a really good point about the indie developers, and there's so many different new games and new ideas coming out from some of those yeah. really talented indie developers. And not only are they bringing new games and new um, series, but they're also pushing these bigger yeah. AAA devs to be more inventive and creative. And, and even, games. A, even a lot of those games get inspired by nostalgia. I mean, yeah. look at Shovel Knight. Oh like, yeah, you play Shovel Knight and you feel you you start getting nostalgia for these old NES games that you play. And so even, you know, a, not a, a lot of new and exclusive games that come out, um, new IPs and stuff kind of mm-hmm. run off of that nostalgia, which is great. And um, I mean, overall, I mean, I, I'll present this question to you. If at E3 this year, would you rather have Nintendo announce a brand new IP set in space where you go on out in an adventure? Or would you rather have them announce Metroid Prime 4? Like, Everyone wants a new Metroid Prime. Yeah, They're going to go true. buy that Metroid Prime Four based off of the, the nostalgia, and the hype is going to be you know out the, out of the roof. Sales are going to go crazy just because everyone has so much nostalgia for those original Metroid Prime games. So nostalgia <laughs> does N- it does. I think that's why Nintendo hasn't done a new franchise or a new character except for Splatoon, which actually isn't even Nintendo's in-house developers. It's kind of guys they brought in, right? No, it's it's their it's in-house their developers, but it's their They're younger young. team yeah. of developers instead of kind of yeah, like yeah. So it's not guys. the same. It's not the same guys who've been so doing the franchises for it's all the not time. Like, so no, it's it's a different. Team. Yeah, exactly. But it's, yeah, it's yeah. Still so different. they're in-house, like, but not. I think that's why they waited so long to do that. And same with Blizzard. I mean, World of Warcraft, Diablo, and StarCraft have sold. Like people freaked out when they announced StarCraft Two after like what fifteen years, ten years. <laughs> And people, so I think that nostalgia is what sells. And as long as we're still seeing new IPs come out from a lot of these other developers, like Uncharted, except uh, Naughty Dog stepping away from Uncharted to work on Last of Us 2 and the new IP, I think, like, as long as companies are continuously kind of, they give us enough nostalgia, enough sequels that we're satisfied. But as long as they also are inventing new ways to do it, new, new IPs, I think. This and it will keep the industry going. Yeah, well, for the most part, all the recent, you know, big exclusive games have sold pretty well. Um, yeah. I, I don't think Last Guardian sold super well, but that's a super niche game. Uh, but you know, I think <laughs> about Horizon and Splatoon, and um, I'm blanking on some other ones uh, right now. But um, for the most part, with these big new IPs when they come out, they do sell pretty well. So. Interested to see how well uh, Arm sells. That's Nintendo's next new IP. It's coming out in June. So, um, yeah. But anyways, we're gonna move on to what we're playing. Um, Rob, Nathan, why don't one of you guys start? Go for um, it, Nathan. I have been playing uh, the same list as the last two months. <laughs> no, I've been playing uh, Zelda: Breath of the Wild and Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Um, Breath of the Wild, I'm actually getting. Really far, and I beat the last Divine Beast, the Gerudo one, um, actually last night. Um, so I'm getting ready to go take on Ganon. I'll probably do that here in the next week or two. But it's that game is so fun. I just love how 
I'm sorry, I've talked a lot about this a lot, but I just love how <laughs> it's really open and it allow it just kind of tells you what to do instead of it tells you like go to this place yeah. and instead of giving you doesn't a, really tell you a marker and a and yeah stuff like that. Oh, you but mean it, like it doesn't blatantly yeah, it gives you a, yeah, put exactly. an objective on your marker. Yeah, it gives you a quest. You just and be talk like, to people and figure. Go out. to this area and you'll probably find something. You go there and you're like, oh, there's what I was looking for. Okay, and you go back and stuff like that instead of giving you. You need to go to this point and follow this little trail that leads you straight there. So it allows yeah. for more freedom and exploration. But yeah, and then Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Um, I've probably put five to ten hours into that game already. It's in been the a last, lot of fun. Yeah, it's been it's been really fun. <laughs> um, we've, we've had the some... online is still not great. Okay. But... okay, allow me to get my soapbox for just 30 seconds here. I had the worst <laughs> experience playing Mario Kart 8 Deluxe online yesterday. And keep in mind, my Switch dock is, like, literally two inches away from my router, and I have good internet. But I was trying to join up with my friend Jordan. Uh, I tried for 10 minutes, and I couldn't join his game because Nintendo's matchmaking is terrible, apparently. He tried joining me. We finally got in the same lobby. After one race, I got disconnected, connected out, got back in, disconnected again after one race, started playing with him and some of my friends in a private lobby, worked a little bit better. Then again, after three races, I got kicked out. After like my fourth disconnection in like 30, 40 minutes, I'm just said, I'm done. Like this is too frustrating for me to even put up with. And so I think <laughs> it just this is insane how unstable Nintendo's online and on its first big online game where they had to really show people that, you know, they're taking online a little more seriously this time. So this this is not not looking good so far. I'm I'm, I'm hoping that Nintendo gets their infrastructure a lot more solid by the time Splatoon comes out and they're expecting people to pay for the online. So anyways, off my soapbox. <laughs> Marker 8 Deluxe is still a lot of fun though. I, yep. We've been having fun. Um, we did do a tournament this week. We did it on Wednesday. We had some friends of the show join, Steven, Matt, some other people. Um, and our first official winner of the Halos and Gamescast tournament was JB. He, he won our first tournament. He barely edged me out. I got second place. <laughs> I'm going to beat him next week. But uh, if you want to join in on our tournament, the tournament code is 37872055863. And it's just a eight race, 150cc tournament. I think a lot of us are going to jump back on probably uh, tomorrow night, Wednesday night. I think we're going to try to get everyone in on that tournament around 8 o'clock Pacific time. Um, so let us know. Send us a message on uh, Twitter at HeyListen underscore games. We can invite you to our Discord group that we made for Mario Kart. But uh, we've been having a lot of fun playing it with some some fans and friends of the show. And uh, I'm really enjoying playing it with lots of different people because that makes Mario Kart so much more enjoyable when you're playing with your real friends. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, sure. Was there anything else you were playing this week, Nathan? No, or? that's about it. That's it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm very boring. Well, if you follow me on Twitter, you know what I've been playing this week because I've been posting really awesome screenshots of Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, and I, I've been loving it. I really love the art style um, and just the way the world looks and, you know, how it one second it looks like this beautiful outdoor realistic, photorealistic nature, then other parts you go into underground kind of like uh, dungeon areas where it's very... technological and metal with machines everywhere um and i'm finally getting interested and invested in the narrative which doesn't happen for me i'm not a big story guy but uh that's good yeah i I actually really think they did a awesome job telling a unique interesting story you know with a new ip like this they could you know they can go any direction and i did play a little bit of their previous games because this is the team that made resistance right uh 
Uh, yeah, they made the Resistance series before. Yeah, this. and those games were kind of bland. Like I played through a little or, bit. The story was super. Not Resistance. They made a uh, the other Sony shooter, Fall, Fall something. Fall something. I want to say like Fallout. Fall Star. That's a band. I don't remember. I don't know. We'll, we'll get it for you. <laughs> but Fallout Shadow, is uh... Shadowfall. Killzone. They made Killzone. Killzone. Yeah. Okay. I'm Killzone. so sorry, guys. They made <laughs> Killzone. Killzone. Everyone's Dude, just really? out there pounding their heads on against the glass. We're sorry about that. But yeah, I, I played that one too. But not interesting story. Nothing. Uh, so I'm just really impressed with how they were able to put together a really cool narrative. Um, it, the game looks gorgeous. I stop and admire the environment all the time. Although I did find it funny. I was playing it and I asked my wife, I'm like, what do you think looks better? Like, what do you like the graphics better? Do you like uh, Zelda, Breath of the Wild, or do you like this game? Because she's watched me play both. Yeah. She's like, Zelda, duh. And I'm like, well, well, why? She's like, the graphics are better. <laughs> That's like, hilarious. Well, you know, in a way, Cell Shaded does look really nice and pretty. But like Horizon, you can almost take a screenshot of the world and it looks like a real photograph. Like yeah. it's that photorealistic. Oh, it yeah. looks really, really cool. But um, kind of re- it kind of reminds me of when you were taking a bunch of screenshots for uh, Uncharted Four. Like yep. guilty as charged. Like, you you get it set <laughs> yeah, up in just the way that it's like, on. dude. Did you just take that outside or was yeah. that? No, totally. Uh, maybe I'll do that. I'll try to take a photo maybe later this week that looks like it's a real photo. But um, I will say this: Horizon Zero Dawn is the best game that is exclusive to PlayStation Four. Over I'm, Uncharted Four. I'm, I'm making that statement. Right here, wow. over Uncharted Four. I think All right. the amount of content in this game is just right. There is not too many chores and other things to bog you down. Um, it does give you the freedom to tackle things in any order that you would like to. The world, while it isn't, you know, as interesting as I would maybe have hoped, there still are a lot of fun things to run into and to discover. Um, there are different challenges that you're going like. There's not necessarily collectibles, but there's different parts of the map that kind of are almost like a collectathon where you go around. Like there's, you have to get to all the tall necks. There's corrupted zones where you have to clear out. Um, there's cauldrons that you have to defeat. But all those things are really fun to do. Like the, none of them really feel like a chore, which is awesome. And like I said, the narrative's really fun. The world is huge. It looks amazing. It, it looks really, really, really varied. I'm surprised at how many different weapons there are because I've been I use pretty much one mm-hmm. weapon like this one bow that I really like the whole time, but there's actually tons of different bows that have different strengths and use different ammunition that I haven't even really touched. And so, and I'm at least 20 hours into the game. So I really, really like it. I love how much content is in there. I felt enchanted for as much as I like the story and the narrative did drag a little bit. It went a little too long towards the end, about three quarters of the way through the game. And, um, horizon's getting better every second I play it. So it's amazing. If you have not played it yet, I highly recommend it. You got to check it out. I'm at the point where I'm renting right now, and I almost have to give it back. My rental's almost up. And I just want to go to the store and buy it, but I'm trying to hold out. I'm like, I'm not going to buy it because I, I played through most of the content so far. I'll maybe pick it up later when it's on sale and you know do some cleanup of things I didn't get to finish. But it is amazing. I love it. Nice. I was not expecting to enjoy it Sweet. this much. I'll put it that way. <laughs> wow, that's, that's really encouraging because I have been looking forward to it for a long time, and I just haven't gotten to it because yeah. of Zelda. So excited to pick it up i was really excited for it when it came out but i decided to focus on mass effect and yokulele instead yeah so but, but have I'll you get played yokulele further than like the first two levels yeah i played a little bit more um okay. i've unlocked a couple of like you know how you can unlock part of the world inside i unlocked yeah. part of the world inside but i just haven't played it in a while because i got distracted by prey and mass effect andromeda yeah <laughs> 
Um, and then I do want to mention real quick too, I did uh, download NBA Playgrounds today on the Switch. Um, and it is pretty fun. Uh, being a big NBA Jam person, it is not as good as NBA Jam on Fire. I don't think any arcade basketball game ever will be as good as that one. But uh, it is a lot of fun. I think I haven't played it with friends yet, but I do see myself spending lots of hours playing this on a couch with my friends or my brothers. Um, and I am I am enjoying it so far. Just kind of understanding the slight differences in timing and mechanics that makes it a little different than what I'm used to in NBA Jam or NBA Street. Um, it's going to take a little bit of getting used to, but I will say the Switch version has no online uh, on day one. It is supposed to come later this week, supposedly. And uh, the game does look a little fuzzy on handheld mode. Like they didn't seem like they didn't optimize it very well. It looks fine does on the it look TV. Good on the TV? Yeah, it looks fine on TV, but handheld mode is a little different. Which I know oh, they, they have really to render weird. the game at two different resolutions. Yeah. But um, so that, that is a little weird. I mean, it's playable. It's fine. I, I went and played it on the go for a little bit today. But uh, yeah, I'll I'll let you know more what I think about it um, next week. But so far, I think it's fun um, and it, it's different. I don't. I wouldn't say it. It will probably be better than some of my favorite arcade games, but. It's cool we did get a new arcade game, but you can't play yeah. any arcade basketball games on you know, current systems. So yeah, uh, I, and also you gotta, I mean, you gotta appreciate the fact that and give them a little bit of slack because you know, like a AAA group, um, Ubisoft or someone like that, if they release a game with you know not all the content there, you kind of go really. But like NBA Playgrounds. They didn't, yeah, a, a, a they didn't pull a. They didn't pull a Hello Games uh, or a oh, John Murray. They did not over promise. No. <laughs> and they literally, they've literally said these features will come as we go. But I mean, they released pretty much what we expected. Yeah, and, and I think they, that's you got to give the the developers credit. I want to say there's around 200 different characters right now, which is a pretty big yeah. amount. And they have promised they're going to bring hundreds of more characters. Yeah, and, as free updates too. Yeah, not even so, as paid. Yeah, DLC, they're going to do free updates. So, so hopefully it sells really well, and cool. they they keep keep on supporting the game and stuff like that. But um, we'll say as of now, there's not a whole lot there. So if you're if you're kind of on the fence, I'd probably wait wait a little bit and see how well things uh, kind of get updated and patched. But um, being a big arcade basketball fan, I love it, and I understand they're wanting to get it out while NBA Finals and playoffs are going on. Yeah. Know, so. Oh yeah, it's perfect timing. But uh, Rob, quickly, uh, what are you playing? Uh, Mass Effect and Prey, you said. Um, but anything so else? Uh, yeah, Mass Effect made it a little further in that. Um, playing the Spiderweb software games again, just kind of pressing on in those two. Uh, finished up the Prey demo, um, so you get the opening hour, and I finished up the opening hour, and you can keep playing after that. You get to keep exploring the area you're in, um, and I did for a little bit, but it. I'll be honest, the combat felt a little better. You know, last time I was complaining about the combat, the combat felt a little better once I started to figure out some of the other things about it and powers and kind of sneaking and stuff like that. It felt a little better. It still wasn't my favorite, but I almost want to buy this game because of the story. Oh my gosh, it is really intriguing. Hmm. And like, I've heard, heard that. I've heard even like the very beginning of the game, like not to really spoil because it's so kind of grabs you from different things yeah. I've read and stuff like that. It, like, pulls you in. I'll be honest. I even saw someone else who was playing it uh, or talking to the developers, and they said, like, the first hour, like, you just play the first hour, and you're already hooked on the story. And it's, like, you almost want to suffer through all the horror elements of, like, the, the villains and the enemies and stuff, because there's some pretty tough enemies in the game. Mm-hmm. You want to suffer through them because the story is so good. It's really interesting. So, 
things on the gameplay. So uh, gameplay-wise, gameplay's good. Yeah. The the elements are pretty good. Um, like the the combat's a little. Like I said, the combat was a little challenging, um, mostly because melee combat versus the mimics, the main enemy, is really challenging because you kind of are swinging blindly. But I I'm starting to realize that I think that's what the developers wanted you to feel like a panic sense swinging of your melee weapon. Like, you, this isn't Halo or Doom where you just, like, line up the enemies in your sights and just boom. It's <laughs> it's a lot more, like, you have to be a little bit more tactful. You have to be a little bit more, you know, almost that Dead Space feel, like, panic yeah, driven okay, melee. Yeah, that's what I was expecting to be yeah. like. Yeah. That makes sense. But, that's cool. And it's made but, by... But, like, physics is incredible. It's made by the same guys who made uh, Dishonored. And, yeah, and I don't, I don't I, know. I didn't see the combat in that game. It's fine, but it wasn't great. So, I think it's really good. Cool, sweet. So you're gonna pick it up uh, like on sale or something? Uh, yeah, I'll probably pick it up on sale eventually. It's worthwhile at least playing through once. Cool, sweet. Um, and then on Star Wars Day, I played two games. Well, one and a half technically. <laughs> so I played Lego Star Wars. Um, I got the complete. I think the complete edition just released on Steam. It wasn't there before, oh, nice. and so I just picked it up. I was playing it on Steam. Love that game so classic. much. So great. So classic. And then I also was like, oh, I have all these Star Wars games because, like, I think it was a Humble Bundle or something like that. They had, like, a Star Wars Humble Bundle. <laughs> and I picked up, like, almost every... I have... There's only, like, three Star Wars computer games out there that I don't have at this point. And so I was like, oh, I'll play Rogue Squadron because we were talking about it on the show. And I'm like, I we really were. love this game. And so I tried it with... Um, I have an Xbox controller hooked up to my computer. Yeah. I tried it with the Xbox controller. Garbage. Couldn't do anything. Crashed, like, over and over and over again. So I switched <laughs> over to the computer mouse and keyboard. Garbage. Crashed over and over and over again. And I started you doing use? Super- I Joystick? It was the first... Flight simulator? Like, literally, that's what they say. It's like, if you want to play it, you have to use a joystick. Yeah, oh, really? that's what I played it growing up on I was a like, computer. It's like, oh, so I have to go buy a joystick for this game. So until I buy a joystick, I can't play Rogue Squadron. <laughs> That's so oh, sad. It was it was the saddest of that story. It was the saddest moment of my life. But I did get Sorry. to sit there and listen to the uh, intro music for a little bit. Exactly. Was... <laughs> We're actually going to be playing that uh, that music for you to close out the show here today. So uh, great. Was it? Was there anything else you wanted to mention, Rob? Nope. That's it. All right. Well, thanks so much for tuning in. Um, I, I do want to give a quick shout out to um, three people on Twitter um, at Jefferson Forrest mentioned the most recent time he got nostalgia in a video game was the brood war menu music from last month. Um, I assume he oh, just yeah. started the menu and just started crying or something like that um, <laughs> because Matt, a uh, good friend of the show at glitch deity. He said he wasn't playing the game, but last time he listened to the original animal crossing title theme, he teared up. So. Oh, I'm tearing up right now just <laughs> reading that. The original Animal Crossing is so good. Please, please come to the Switch on Virtual Console. Oh, uh, okay. If they put the original GameCube on, I might actually get it because of all the NES games. <laughs> I, I would That'd be great. That. Um, and then Jaeger mentioned Metroid Zero um, as well, that he has some nostalgia for that game. So uh, let us know if you didn't get a chance to sound off. Um, find our tweet on there. Give us a reply. At Hateless underscore games. What game um, do you do you feel a lot of nostalgia for? Did you really enjoy playing? So um, with that, we will leave you with the Rogue, Star Wars Rogue Squadron title theme music. Until next time, have a great week. Bye.